What are we as humans slaves to? Childhood traumas? What someone else decided we should be? An unfulfilling relationship? A job we don't like? Or the tedious routine of our lives? These are questions that are asked by today's guests, who we will meet in just a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Pamela Brewer, welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk. I am very pleased to introduce to you today's guest, Anand Dilvaru, who is the author of The Slave, a spiritual manifesto for a better way of life. Anand, thank you so much for joining us on Mind Talk. Uh, hello, Pamela. Thank you very much for having me. Now, you you heard me uh, quote from your book. This is a book that has actually sold close to two million copies worldwide. Why do you think it's so popular? Do you think there's something particular going on in the world today that makes your book so important for people? Um, well, um, to, um, to tell you the truth, it was a great surprise for me uh, how many books I have sold. <laughs> um, we started here in Mexico, and we went uh, to 1.2 million so very fast that um, it, it was obvious that something was going on. Um, I think I was giving voice to something that um, it is happening inside of all of us and that need, need, needs to be expressed there is a need to find um, answers within ourselves and, and start to stop blaming whatever it is outside for what's going wrong in our life. So there is, I think, a calling in all of us to, to uh, move our uh, um, view inward instead of looking outside for answers, looking in, in our relationships, in our luck, in the outside circumstances, there is, I think, a realization now that the answers will be, find, will be found inside of us. And in fact, that's where we have the most power, the most choice, the most options, is when we are looking within ourselves. Yes, definitely. Well, we have this tendency to be looking for um, everything we need outside there is an illusion, uh, uh, Pamela, there, there is this illusion that the happiness and peace is, uh, is to be found outside in a set of circumstances, somewhere outside in the future. Um, and we are like um, very busy trying to get there, trying to um, arrange things outside, ar- arrange everything outside in a way that will make, make us feel happy and fulfilled. But um, now we're starting to realize that it is all the way around. We focus on the inside, and then everything outside uh, starts uh, start taking its place. So I think that is um, a huge uh, confusion right now, and we are like running like crazy towards something, some uh, imaginary uh, better future, and we are realizing that that is not the way it is. No, that's not the solution. And, you know, in, in, in large measure, I would suggest our, our media has a lot to do with that. I think about 
all the commercials that are constantly selling us something that if we just have that thing, it will change our lives forever. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. We spend so much time looking for, waiting for, preparing for that which is not in front of us at the moment that we can actually miss out on on much of our lives. Yeah, um, there is an estimate that, that we um, spend 47% of our time lost in our minds. This, this uh, time is used to uh, remember the past or imagine the future. So all we have, the present moment, uh, we miss completely. So yeah, everything in society, it is arranged in a way that promise uh, us fulfillment, peace, completion in the future. So we are always running after something that finally will complete us, that will finally make us feel uh, satisfied and free. You know, the, the title of your book is, at first blush, it's sort of jarring. You know, when I first looked at it, um, you know, I, I had a visceral reaction to the title, and okay. then I saw this blue eye, and then I thought, wait a minute, what's, what, what is going on here? And, and in fact, as you begin The Slave, um, a spiritual manifesto for a better way of life, you ask a very powerful, poignant question, which is, and I am quoting from your book, who has not been or isn't still a slave to problems, to fears, to guilt? And then all of a sudden, the whole concept made sense to me in a very different way. And it's a, okay. it's a very valid, valid, valuable question. Well, yeah, we really... I think that the big problem is that we look for our, our sense of identity all, all, also outside. I mean, what, what do I have? What do I do? What titles do I have? What are my, my credentials? And that is all, all, all impermanent. So we have no idea that our essence, what we really are, is inside of us, independent of anything outside, any achievement, any trauma, any past, any memory, or any expectation of the future. You know, um, the eye represents like, uh, instead of looking, there's some, something inside of us looking out, and that's what we are, not the circumstances around us, not our life history, not our life situation, but this presence, and this presence is absolutely perfect absolutely free. You know? So we are slaves because of a confusion. We, com we, we have this confusion of basing our identity in all these things that we are not. Indeed. You start the slave with, it's a story of a person without a name who's not quite sure if he's dead or alive. <laughs> Tell us about this approach. I mean, I thought it was a fascinating approach. Well, I wanted it to be an affirmation. If you read the book, it is, um, um, it, it, you're reading it out loud or reading it in your mind, and you're making an affirmation about yourself. <laughs> 
So the, 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 um, the character is talking and you are talking in your head at the same time. So when, the, when, when you read, I am a slave to, up to my past, I am, the, uh, I am a slave to my traumas, and then you say, I, now I decide to be free, and now I decide to take responsibility of my life. Now I know that I am the only one capable of solving whatever needs to be solved in my life. So the whole book, the character doesn't have a name because it is actually the reader. <laughs> no, that was a, an idea I had, and I wanted it to be like a constant affirmation from the beginning to the end of the book. Well, again, it's a fascinating approach um, because you're right. It, it it sort of pulls you in in a very different way. The what you're reading, uh, you find yourself feeling it, experiencing it in a much more personal way because there's no name. So you know, we we think of a name and then we all automatically attach things to the name. You you don't really do that in in the slave. There's there's a time in your story. Uh, where there is a conversation between this unnamed person who's mm -hmm. in a coma and he's talking to somebody. And initially, <laughs> we're not really sure what's going on or who he's talking to. Tell us about that technique and what you wanted to accomplish. Well, the thing is, I believe that we have a higher intelligence. It is an intelligence that is not separated from us that is always there. And um, actually, I believe that we all know what to do with our lives, <laughs> but we're distracted. We are not listening to this higher intelligence, that, that it is our own, our intuition, our um, uh, um, subconscious. And um, um, we know right from wrong. We know what is uh, productive and we know what is counterproductive, but we're distracted. So when we're distracted, instead of listening to these, uh, what I call this guide inside our head, we uh, react automatically with any, any kind of decision, no decision whatsoever between the, um, the event and, and our reaction. So what I, this, um, uh, this um, um, guide, it is this um, higher intelligence that we all have. That, if we meditate, if we pay a little bit of attention, if we quiet our mind, we will be um, listening to it. Not, not in words, of course, because uh, we need words to express it, but um, it will be an intuition of what is right for us. You know, when there is two kinds of, in the way I see it, there is two kinds of decisions that we make. One that comes out of our mind, our discursive mind, and that is full of doubts. What if I do this? What if I don't do this? What if I, what if I make a mistake? And there's another kind of decision that comes from a higher intelligence, and that one it is precise. No, it is like there's no doubt. You absolutely know that is the right thing to do. So this um, uh, character, the guide, uh, represents this uh, higher intelligence in all of us.
I want to uh, move away from the book for a moment and get a better sense of Anand Dilvar. Mm-hmm. How did okay. you come to this work that you do? How did you, were there people or events in your early life that started you on this path? Or just, just tell us about that. Well, um, I need to tell you that uh, The Slave is my book number 17. I have written a total of 33 books, and The Slave is the number 17. Um, um, There was a transition in my life, uh, a transformation in my life, and there was also transformation in my writing. I was very much interested in the cult of personality at first, self-improvement and all that um, um, area of study. But then I went um, into this transformation. I went into more spiritual approach in my um, self self development, um, and and that's how I felt at one moment. You know, the slave, it's me, it's you, it's everyone, and we feel trapped, trapped in a life uh, that we didn't choose. Uh, and in my life, I was like that, Pamela. Yeah, I had a. a, a um, not a very easy childhood, like many of the readers, I guess, they share this, uh, this same history. Um, so when I was a teenager, I had a lot of problems. I did struggle with alcohol, with um, uh, not drugs, I was lucky about that, but um, codependency and so many, so many common things that we all have to deal with at, at one point in our lives. And um, that's how I felt. I felt um, um, paralyzed. I felt unable to to solve my life. I felt completely um, um, useless. Uh, not useless. What's the word in English? Um, I felt completely um, helpless. Oh. I felt helpless. Okay. So that's uh, the metaphor of this life. No, there is a point in our life if you blame whatever it is uh, going wrong in your life um, in outside circumstances or in the past, then you are completely helpless. There's nothing for you to do. So um, my idea was to create this uh, story, this metaphor of um, realizing this deeply and then do something about it to, to change my life, to take responsibility and with responsibility comes freedom. If you're pointing outside for everything that is wrong, then your power is outside. It depends on others. When my brother changes, when my mother changes, then I will be okay. But if you point at yourself, then you have the power to decide. You have the power to change whatever is wrong. You have the power to make all the changes necessary. Um, and it is like a kind of a miracle because after this book, I managed to do that exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting um, as you describe yourself as a teenager, which is exactly the place that so many teens are today, even as we speak, adults as well. But just the notion that as a teen, and we know that teens can feel very hopeless and very helpless and very lost, and that will often take them to almost unspeakable 
acts of, of self-harm and of harm towards others. And, and I, I'm curious as to how you, as that teenager, how you were able to pull yourself away from that very human experience, particularly as a teen, to really be able to look within at yourself. Well, it didn't, have, it didn't happen at my teen years. It happened a little bit uh, later on when I was uh, um, an adult. But um, um, it was thanks to my father. My father was always inspiring, inspiring me to, 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 to make myself responsible for whatever was going on in my life. I had a big struggle. Um, 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 I struggled with um, so many things in my life. There's, um, I have, I hadn't, I didn't have a very easy life. So, but uh, there was always um, um, an understanding in me that every crisis in my life was an opportunity to learn. So I never lost hope. I never lost um, um, this um, um, intention of uh, being okay, no matter what. So uh, I think that that was the most important thing in my life to to see every single crisis, every single um, problem as a challenge to overcome. Which is again, it's it's such a, a critical shift in in how many people think. I mean, we are certainly none of us responsible for what others do to us or around us, but we absolutely have choice about what we do with the circumstances in which we find ourselves. Definitely, yes. You, I, I want to move back to the slave, uh, a spiritual manifesto for a better way of life, and you talk, uh, well, your your character's um, guide points out to him that he is actually free to think whatever he wants to. He can think whatever he wants to. He can choose to feel however he chooses to feel. And indeed, no one has power over him. That's a pretty powerful concept. That's a pretty powerful lesson. Yeah, we have to um, realize at one point that uh, we are not our social conditioning. We we are born in a in a society that gives us all our our beliefs. It it gives us um, uh, our sense of good and bad, our sense of beautiful and ugly. We have uh, uh, received from our society whatever we believe. So and, and and from there, whatever we think, whatever we decide, and however we behave. But it is very simple to notice that um, different societies have different beliefs, different conditions, uh, conditionings. So the way you think is actually not the way you are. Is not your thinking, but the conditioning that you have received from your uh, society, your religion, wherever you were born. Uh, North American is, has a way, of, uh, a, a way of seeing life, a cosmovision that is completely different from a Hindu, let's say, or from a Mexican, actually. <laughs> so uh, when you realize that, then you, you see that you have the responsibility, actually, to um, 
choose your beliefs, to choose those beliefs that uh, serve you, those beliefs that go with whatever you want in life, and you are capable of choosing what uh, beliefs you're going to keep because they support you in the way you want to be in the world, and what beliefs you're going to um, deny and, um, and forget about because they don't give you a beautiful way of life, a beautiful way, a beautiful um, guide to behave. You said mm-hmm. we are not our social conditioning. And mm-hmm. as, as you know, that is so often not what we recognize. We recognize ourselves as being that in which we have been born, what people say about us, tell us what we are supposed to believe, uh, what we are supposed to aspire to or not. That is such a powerful reality that we are not our social conditioning. Yeah, this is um, this is something that goes beyond this book, but <laughs> we can talk about it also. Yeah, we have this um, um, confusion about being whatever we have learned in our life. We have been told how to be. We have been told what we are. We have been told uh, what to believe in every single matter of life. You know, with religion, spirituality, um, um, goals and expectations, even values, and, uh, and whatever we have, uh, we, we're supposed to praise or, or reject. But we're not that. We're something beyond that. That, that is only the, con- the contents of our mind. This is one of the biggest problems that we face as, as humanity. We are identified completely with the contents of our mind, and that... Um, some the, the traditions call it the ego. The ego is form, but all the descriptions we made of ourselves, what we have learned, what we believe we know about us, what that is not us. And if we believe to be the ego, we believe to be our conditionings, we have a very narrow way of living. There is a script in our life, and we must follow the script, you know, saying, okay, I, I am North American, and I should behave this way. I am Mexican, I should behave this way. I am Hindu, I am Christian, I am this, I am that. And then that is a very narrow way of living life. Not only that, because uh, you, we, we say, I am this, this is the way I am. And living like that, it is also a very limited way, because there is no space for spontaneity, for freshness, for joy. I mean, you react the very same way every time you face a situation. And in in that way, you are repeating your past. If you believe that you are your history, you are doomed to repeat it. In your history, there's your destiny. In your history, there is your destiny. You know, so many people are af- are afraid. I mean, they're literally frightened of transitioning from the way that they see themselves today as we speak to mm-hmm. something perhaps more open and more free and more powerful as you describe. What mm-hmm. do you say to those folks who are afraid to begin to shift how they think? Well, um, 
we are all facing a transition as, as human beings. We have been completely um, fascinated by, by the form, by um, the content of the present moment. But um, we, we are beginning to understand that we're not that. We are the space in which, uh, with, in, in which everything happens. We are not our thoughts. We are not our beliefs. We are not our feelings. We are not uh, our conditioning. We're something else. We're the space where everything happens. So, yeah, we're, I think that's a humanity as a whole. We're facing this transition from uh, basing our identity in everything that is surrounding us, our car, our, our job, our relationships, our, um, our house, and then realizing that we are not all that that we we have gathered. We are something else. We are um, we are the space where everything is happening. So it is scary because we have no references. I mean, we have always been taught that we are something else, something that we can describe. And then um, then the transition is. You're not that. You are something else that it is undescribable. Um, um, you are something else. You are the space that allows everything that to happen in your life. Sure, it's scary because we have no idea, but um, I think we are slowly, slowly transitioning to realizing it. There is so much that's going on in the world today. I mean, in a lot of ways, it makes complete sense um, that the slave is such a popular um, and soothing, if you will, and Mm thought-provoking read because there is so much negativity that we hear about in the world today. There's so much vitriol that seems to be a part of our daily lives. Do you think, it sounds like you're, you're really thinking that things are beginning to get better, however. I listen to many authors and teachers and masters all over the world uh, repeating this message um, that we, are, we need to awake. We are in a, in um, crisis now. It is very easy to see how terrible things are um, around the world. And there is um, a very much uh, an important need for, uh, for a change. And uh, when I see uh, uh, teachers like um, 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 Thich Nhat Hanh, for example, this um, Zen monk with thousands of followers, I realize that there is something going on. I really realize that there is a shift in consciousness that is happening uh, right now. Anand Dilvar, author of The Slave, A Spiritual Manifesto for a Better Way of Life. How do people learn more about, you mentioned your center. Where is your center located? My center is um, um, outside Mexico City, two hours away from Mexico City. The town is Valle de Bravo. Um, I have a, uh, a Facebook page they can, um, they can visit. This is um, Anand Dilvar Official. It's actually in Spanish, but it's the same way in, in English. So Anand Dilvar Official, that's uh, where they can learn about my center and whatever I'm doing. 
And, and this life has its own uh, Facebook page, This Life by Anand Dilma. And would you spell your name? Sure. Um, let me write it down because we, in Spanish, we never spell. Ah. <laughs> Anand Dilma. A-N-A-N-D-D-I-L-V-A-R. Anandilvar. So it's Anandilvar official, and that's the Facebook page. Yes, that's it. Wonderful. Anand, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your wisdom with us here on MindTalk. Uh, Pamela, thank you so much for your interview. Uh, thank you for um, um, your comments on my books. And um, I got a little bit um, um, nervous. This is my very first interview in English, so I apologize for for all these. Uh, um, <laughs> you have done an exceptional job. No one would ever know. Wonderful. Except now you've told them. <laughs> great, great. Right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. And folks, thank you for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you daily as an educational public service. It is not intended to replace any work that you might choose to do with a medical, mental health, or other professional of your choosing. MindTalk is available to you daily on demand by going to mynndtalk.org. You can also download the MindTalk app from Apple or from Google Play. MindTalk is produced by Jim Brown and 26 by 2 Communications. I'd love to know where in the world you are as you're listening to this edition of MindTalk. So send an email to me at Pamela, P-A-M-E-L-A, at mindtalk.org. Again, that's M-Y-N-D-T-A-L-K dot O-R-G. And remember always, if it's unacceptable, it's unacceptable.